for listening to this sermon from Garden City Methodist Church. We want to invite you to worship with us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m., either in person or online. You can come to our beautiful sanctuary at 62 Varnado Avenue, Garden City, Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. So we are uh, in the midst of our ongoing series. I saw a meme this week that said, if your pastor sees his shadow this morning, it was on Groundhog's Day, that means there's six more weeks of this sermon series. <laughs> and he's not wrong. I mean, like, there's still more, two more chapters of the Sermon on the Mount. So uh, we're going to be in here for the long haul. So I hope that's all right with you. Uh, I'm loving the Sermon on the Mount so far. So we are going to continue to learn about the upside-down ways that God calls us to live. Now, we're going to be in Chapter 6 of Matthew this morning. Uh, We are skipping one very significant part. Uh, We're going to skip over the Lord's Prayer because... I think that one kind of warrants its own sermon. So we're going to skip over that part. We're going to track back to it next week. Uh, But there are some other, there's some thematic things that are happening in this chapter um, that that I want to get to. So let's get to reading. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you shall have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you do give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go to your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you're praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And then He tells you how to pray with the Lord's Prayer, which we'll talk about next week. So down in verse 16, And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's something that's always kind of concerned me about this this teaching of doing things in secret. Because if you do it in public, you've already had your reward. Right? There, there's something that always kind of sticks, sticks in my craw about that. Because I understand that, that if you do your good deeds in front of other people and they give you the praise and you're doing it for the attention that you've already got the reward, but like, why can't we have both? What's wrong with having a little bit of attention and a little bit of credit for the good things that I do? 
Why can't I do my good deeds before the Lord? Why can't I do my praying before the Lord and other people so that I can get the reward from God and the credit for it and the praise from other people? Why, why are these things mutually exclusive? Why can't God just chill a little bit, let me get my credit, and also bless me for the work itself? I don't understand necessarily why these two things ought to be apart from one another. Does God just not want me to have too much nice stuff? Is he worried that I'm going to get too into doing good deeds if people give me credit for it and praise me for it? Does he just not want me to, to like doing good things too much? Why would God withhold a reward from me just because I happen to notice and feel good when other people notice my good deeds? And I've always assumed that it's because God wants our motives to be pure. Like there's something inside going on with us that, that God cares about what our motives are, not just what our deeds are. But I'm not convinced that it's solely a matter of motives. I think motive plays into it. But I think there's something else that's going on when we do our good deeds for the praise that's, that goes beyond what our motives are. I think it has something to do with the observer effect. There's, the observer effect is, is something in, from physics, from the realm of physics. There's this thing called the double slit experiment, which is fascinating if you look into it. I don't understand physics. I flunked out of Georgia Tech and went to got a communications degree. So don't think I'm some smart guy. I just looked up the Wikipedia for this. But the double slit experiment proves that light has both the properties of a particle and the properties of a wave. They cut these two slits in like a paper or, or metal, and then they, they have, they, it like projects this image onto a, a wall or something behind it. And through, that, through observing that image that's projected on the back wall, you can tell that some of the properties of particles are there and some of the properties of waves are there. And it's really interesting the way, the way that light kind of separates out through these double slits. But the crazy thing about it is, if you're looking at the back wall, you can notice the different behavior of the lights. But if you change and desert, observe directly what's going on in the slit itself, if you try to, try to pinpoint, okay, which slit is this light coming through? The behavior stops. It's either a wave or a particle. The, it, do, it no longer shows both ways. The observer effect in physics shows that the act of being directly observed changes the way the light behaves. It's fascinating stuff. Evidently, the act of looking directly at this beam that's shining through it, instead of just the, the side effects of the beam on the wall, 
changes the way the particles and the waves work. And nobody, there, there's all these theories of why this is. And at this point, the Wikipedia page lost me. I could not even understand the Wikipedia page of the theories of why this thing happens. But it is an observable fact that this observer effect happens on light. And it's, it's amazing. The, the process of being observed changes the behavior of the light. It's wild. But you can think about this in other ways, too. This observer effect has more practical ways that it, that it happens in our life. Think about your credit score. If you went and checked your credit score right now, you would not receive the credit score that you have right now because the act of checking your credit score makes your credit score go down. So you don't actually get to know what your credit score is. You get to know what your credit score is after you check it. So the credit score that you have right now is a mystery and will remain a mystery to you because if you check it, it'll go down. It's like checking your tire pressure. The act of checking your tire pressure lets a little bit of air out of your tire. You hear that go, right? And, and that air comes out. And no, it's not a huge amount of change, but you cannot measure the amount of tire pressure that's in your tire right now. You can only imagine, measure the amount of tire pressure after that little bit of air comes out because the uh, act of measuring your tire pressure changes your tire pressure just a little bit. The act of checking your credit score modifies your credit score just a little bit. The act of observing the light changes the behavior of the light and the act of observing your spirituality changes the quality of your spirituality. The observer effect happens in our spiritual lives. The act of knowing that other people are watching makes a difference in how we practice our spirituality. We practice Christianity worse when we do it for attention. We cannot have it both ways. So when Jesus is talking about giving here, he gets to giving first. When we know that other people are watching us give, it changes how we give. It, it changes our perspective from what does this other person need from me and changes it more to what do I want to be seen giving that other person, right? How, instead of what does this person need in their life, how can I help fill a need? We think about what do I need to give them? It's a subtle shift, but it's a shift. There's this great book called Toxic Charity that talks about some of the ways that we give in churches, especially by Christians. It's by this guy named Robert Lupton. He has a great quote. He says, it is important that giving be truly free. It must never degenerate into charity in the pejorative sense. Almsgiving is mammon's perversion of giving. It affirms the superiority of the giver who thus gains a point on the recipient, binds him, demands gratitude, humiliates him, and reduces him to a lower state than he had before. This is the kind of giving that we do when we're giving in order to get the praise for other people. We are not, we are not lifting the person that we're giving to up. We are lifting ourselves up on their backs. We're not considering that person. It becomes about ourselves. And it's just in human nature for this to happen. Instead of listening to the Spirit of God 
tell us what to do instead of listening to the person that has a need that we're trying to meet. We start listening to other people. We start listening to our own pride and our own selves. So when we give performatively, the quality of our giving is lessened. And people that need something don't always get what they need. Instead, they start receiving what we want them to have. And it's this crazy thing that happens when we start performing giving, when we start performing alms giving to the poor, we start to think that we're so much better than the poor. And this chasm just widens between us. And that doesn't honor God. So performative giving changes the nature of our giving. So then Jesus moves on to performative prayer. He says, don't be like the, the Pharisees who get up in the middle of the, of the temple and on the street corner and just pray out loud for others to hear because they've already received their reward. Because when we pray for others, we just cannot be as honest. Right? The question shifts once again from what am I trying to say to God? What do I need to say to God? Or what do I need to hear from God? And it changes to, what do I want other people to hear me say to God? Right? Instead of, what can I say to God that he needs to hear from me? It's, what do these people need to hear me say to God? I don't know if you've ever been with a passive-aggressive prayer, but, uh, oh man, it's tough. Yeah, Sarah Beth's laughing because I'm not going to call out her family members, but... Not Cherry, not Cherry. Other people. Okay, you, you give me permission? Sarah Beth's grandma was notorious about this. You know, she would say, Lord, we pray for such and such family member that they will see the light and turn from their wicked ways and all that kind of stuff. And they're in the room. Like, they're, she's not praying so that God hears it. She's praying so that the person will hear it, right? But that's not, you know, you've already gotten your reward if that happens. Your, your passive aggressive uh, behavior has already done what it's supposed to do. God is not even in that equation much anymore. She is also a very lovely lady. She was wonderful, very kind to me. Sorry, I, I wasn't planning on calling her out today, but Sarah Beth gave me special permission. Okay. Jeez Louise. I remember one of the most effective prayers that I ever prayed was something that I never could have prayed in public. Just never could have done it, but... but See, it was when I was in seminary, okay, and I'm sitting there, and I was just burned out. I was burned out on spirituality, burned out on faith. I, you know, I'm going to classes every single day, and I'm going to church every single week, most weeks, and I'm going to, um, you know, and I just felt burned out, and I just, I just did not care anymore, if I'm honest. And I remember one day I was sitting in church and the preacher was preaching and people were responding and it was good and the spirit was moving and I just didn't feel anything. And I, I got there and I just prayed, God, I just don't care about you right now. 
I was honest about it. And that, that was that was something I, you know, I can't get up in front of a church and pray, oh God, I don't care about you right now. That's, man, that's not a good corporate prayer, but it was what was in my heart. And that was the thing that kicked my spiritual life back into gear. It's like God was saying, finally, I get to the real you. I get to know where Matt is and you're being honest with me. And in and, and that moment, confessing to God that I did not care about him right that second, God moved in my heart. And it was like, it was like a fresh wind of the spirit came, but I had to get to that point where I was really honest with God. I had to pray a prayer that I couldn't let anybody else hear. I feel weird telling you about it now, in fact. And corporate prayer is good. Corporate prayer has its place. We should be praying together. But we absolutely need secret prayer too. I believe it. If all the praying we're doing is in public for other people to hear, then we are not presenting God with our true selves. We can't, we can't get into that authentic mode of really presenting what's going on deep inside of us to God, and God wants to connect with you on that level. When we pray performatively, we're not offering our authentic selves to God, but we're putting up a religious, spiritual, false self, almost like a shield between us and God. And God wants our real selves in prayer. So then he gets to fasting, performative fasting. He's saying people are going around, you know, not bathing, all dirty and walking around going, oh, I'm so hungry. Now, you could probably tell that fasting isn't my favorite spiritual discipline, but <laughs> I fasted before. The whole point of fasting is letting our hunger remind us of how much we need God. It connects us to our need. And so we're supposed to, when we fast, we're supposed to fill up our time and our attention that we would be spending on food and connect with God in that way. And instead, if we fill it with a bunch of conversations about how hungry we are and, and about how hard it is to fast and how great we are for doing it, then the fast isn't doing what it's supposed to do. The fast is accomplishing something for sure, but it's just not the right thing. So when we fast performatively, we're filling up in our time and our attention with other people and not with God. And really, it just becomes a crash diet at that point. The whole point is that performed spirituality stops being all that spiritual, and it becomes about us, not about God. The observer effect means that we get worse at practicing our spirituality if we know we're going to receive attention and praise for it. I mean, that's just human nature. But at this point, you think, okay, I, I get that. But just a few verses ago, didn't Jesus say that we're supposed to be a city on the hill, salt and light for the world? Didn't Jesus say, let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works? How does this square away with that? Because the fact is, I think authentic spirituality gets noticed. It just does. If you're consistently living that kind of Christian life and practicing good spiritual practices, people are going to notice the effects of it, even if they don't see you directly doing it. 
Like even if they don't see you giving, writing checks to the poor, they notice, oh, the poor in this area are doing a little better than they are everywhere else. Even if they don't see you on your face and knees praying, they see the results of that prayer working out in your life. And so people kind of notice when your authentic spirituality is at work. And I think it's okay for people to notice our good works. Jesus is using her hyperbole when he talks about being in secret, you know, let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. I don't think we have to make it a spy mission every time we want to pray. We don't have to go and, and a covert ops every time you give money away to somebody, right? It's okay for other people to know. What's not okay is for us to need other people to know. When we start to need other people to notice our spirituality, that's a problem. And there's this vicious cycle that happens sometimes. You can start out with good intentions when doing your spiritual life, but then someone notices. Okay, yeah, someone noticed. But then that validation starts to feel good. And then we'd start doing more things more publicly because we want more validation. And suddenly, before we know it, we're performing for other people rather than having this authentic spirituality. So how do we keep ourselves on the right path? How can we become a salt and light for the world without performing for other people the things that we're supposed to be doing for God? I've got a couple of ideas, a couple of suggestions for how we can do this. First of all, we need to escape the gratitude trap. We do not need to receive gratitude for the things that we do for God. We do them for God, not for ourselves. So when we give away to others and say, oh, they were just so ungrateful, who cares? We didn't do it for them. We did it for God. It's all right. We don't need to receive gratitude. We don't need God to be grateful to us for praying. We don't need other people to validate our fasting. It's okay. It's for God, not for them. We need to escape the expectation of gratitude. Going along with that, we need to cultivate humility in ourselves. A great way to cultivate humility is when we receive attention, when we receive um, praise for doing good things, we can redirect those things to others. Now, you don't have to have a false humility. If someone says, hey, I appreciate that you gave a gave something away. You don't need to say, oh, it was nothing. It was just <laughs> false humility doesn't serve anyone. But there is a way where you can redirect that sort of thing to other people. You can say, well, thank you so much. I appreciate that you noticed. But you know, it's been great working with X, Y, and Z other person who is involved in this too. Or I'm just serving God. Thank you for noticing. To God be the glory. It's that authentic humility that you can cultivate in yourself. The third you can, thing you can do is fall in love with the disciplines themselves. You know, there's the kind of thing that you do because you like the outcome, and there's the thing you do because you like doing it. I, don't, I hate doing the dishes, but I do the dishes because I like the outcome. I like to eat on clean plates. And really, if it was up to me, I'd have a pile of dishes in the sink and eat off paper plates. But I need other people to validate me. I need my wife to validate me and my family to validate me. So I do the dishes. I really like Cherry does the dishes most of the time now. But I used to do the dishes because I wanted to, to have that validation from other people 
because because I didn't want to feel like the kind of guy that left a bunch of dishes in the sink all the time. But I like cooking. I like cooking. I'll, I'll cook food that I don't even eat much of because I like the process. Man, I love barbecuing. And, and I'll buy like a big old slab of meat that my family can't even possibly have. And then just I have to like try find some people to give meat away to because I love the process of, of finding different spice rubs. And I love tooling with the time and the length and the heat. And it's a fun thing for me. The outcome is whatever. It's nice when people enjoy my barbecue. It's nice when people say, oh, man, this is good. I like that. But even if no one ever said anything, I'd still like it because I love the process itself. And that's what our spiritual disciplines can be to us. If we start to enjoy the prayer itself, if we enjoy the giving itself, we don't need that outward validation because we are enjoying the work. Because it brings us closer to God. And God's the only validation that we need. And at the end of the day, this whole process is about falling more in love with Jesus. It's about connecting more deeply with our creator God. It's about practicing these things, not because we want other people, but because God loves these things. And God loves us and God loves our neighbors. And we are a part of that. It's so much better to practice our spirituality in an authentic way than it is to perform it. And I believe that if human nature was such that God would let us get the credit and the spiritual blessings, he would do it. But we just can't handle it because then we start to perform and then our quality of spirituality goes down. So Jesus says, don't let the observer effect spoil your spirituality. If you, have to, if you have to do it in secret, do it in secret. But let the spirituality itself be the blessing, not whatever outcome you get. So I don't know what's going on with you today. I don't know where the state of your spiritual disciplines are. Maybe you're performing. Maybe you're authentic. Maybe you're abstaining from spiritual disciplines, and I've been there too. But today is the day for us to recommit to doing what we do for the Lord so that we can receive the true reward, our connection with our Father. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for giving us these disciplines, for giving us this teaching. God, we know you're not trying to withhold good things from us. You're trying to give us more good things. And so, God, let us not perform our spirituality for other people, but rather let us practice our spirituality for you so that we can connect with our neighbors in an authentic way so we connect with you in an authentic way. God, give us the grace not to perform, but rather to practice. In your name I pray. Amen.